Matthew chapter 5. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Here's the one we're on today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, everybody in this room wants to be happy. God, we, we want to have great joy. God, we want to flourish. We want to thrive. <clears throat> Father, I, I thank you that you're teaching us how to do that, how to get there. Father, I think it's been most all of our experience that we, we think something's going to make us happy and, and it doesn't. And so, Father, I pray that you would enable us today to pour our whole heart, God, all of it, into this one great pursuit of knowing and serving and loving you. Father, help us to do that. God, I do pray for my grandpa. I just thank you, Father, for his profession of faith and, God, the fruit that I've seen in him, especially these last 20 years. And I just pray, Father, that you would heal him if it be your will. God, if if it's your will to take him home, God, I pray that you would um, just uh, strengthen the family to uh, uh, receive that with joy in what we know about the scriptures. I pray that the gospel would be prevalent. God, if it's your will to keep him uh, here, God, I pray that he would he would thrive in the gospel. God, if, if he is to live, God, if you would give him that, I pray that he would live for your glory. God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So way back in First uh, Samuel, way back in First Samuel, God taught us a little bit about the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world, okay? And uh, this, this kind of new truth uh, happens in First Samuel 16. Samuel, let me give you the context, Samuel is going to the house of Jesse. One of Jesse's sons is going to be king. Uh, not only is he going to be king, he's actually going to be the greatest king that Israel would ever know, and he is going to point toward the one who would be the Messiah, who would be the king of kings. So that's what Samuel's going to do. And as Samuel goes to pick which son that's going to be, God gives him this counsel. He says in verse 7, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, you see, that, that's different than every other religion. Every other religion, uh, it's really important what you do on the outside. You know, whether you check the right boxes, whether you um, um, go to the right services, whether you on the outside do the outward things. But the difference with Christianity is that God looks at the heart. Okay? Now we're going to see that makes a, a major difference as we move through the Sermon on the Mount. 
Okay, so coming up, a little preview. When we hit chapter 21, we're, we're going we're gonna to find out that, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 21 of this chapter, so chapter 5, verse 21, here just in a few weeks, we're going to find out that just because you've never clubbed anybody, you've never knifed anybody, man, I hope you haven't, you know? Uh, you never shot anybody, you never poisoned anybody, you never dropped a piano on their head. Just because you've never done that does not mean you're not a murderer. You see that? We don't think that way, do we? But, but this chapter coming up is going to tell us that God looks at the heart. And if in your heart you harbor hatred toward people, if in your heart you harbor this vengeful resentment against people, then Jesus is going to say, God sees your heart and you have a murderous heart. Then he goes on to kind of give us the second whammy in verse 27 where he says, just because you have never had a relationship with somebody who wasn't your spouse, meaning maybe you've never kissed, never, never caressed or had a, any kind of sexual intimacy with someone who was not your spouse, that doesn't mean that you're not an adulterer. And the reason is, is because God looks at the heart. And, and so if in your heart you have lusted after somebody who is not your spouse, then you've committed adultery in your heart. So this, this is new. Right? What Jesus was saying was kind of jarring, right? Because everybody in, in this day was just thinking, well, as long as I don't do, you know, I'm not a murderer. I've never killed anybody, so I'm okay. You know, I hate everybody in my family and everybody in my block, but I've never killed anybody, so I'm okay. And, and, and Christianity comes along and says, hey, God is looking at the heart. Now, what do we mean by heart? That's a big question. What do we mean by heart? So even in America, it's a little bit confusing because what, what do Americans mean when they talk about heart? Well, first thing that comes to your mind is what? Affection, right? Like what you love, what you're you know, romantic, right? Like on, on Valentine's Day, nobody sends people triangles and squares, do they? They, they send them hearts, right? Uh, be, because we think of, we, we associate the heart with love or affection or romance, things like that. The biblical concept of the heart, way, way, way bigger. A lot of times in our culture, we, we almost separate the intellect with the heart. So we say, you know, well, well you, you know, don't just think about this in your mind, but also, you know, feel your heart or whatever. The Bible doesn't do that. Um, what, what, what does it mean when it's talking about the heart? In, in fact, the Bible includes all of those things. So, so in the Bible, when it talks about heart, it's talking about not only the way you feel, not only what you love, but also really what you think. Remember your memory verse for two weeks ago? Can you still say it with me? So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, right? So, so your heart meditates. Your heart thinks in the Bible, right? So, so when the Bible talks about your heart, it's talking about your thinking mechanism, right? Uh, it's the inner person. It's who you are on the inside. It, it's, it's the control center of, of, of your mind and, and, your, and your emotions and your person. It, it's almost like when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about that, that thing inside of us that is to some degree spiritual, that decides and loves and pursues and runs after, controls the will, the mind, the emotion. All of that is kind of bundled up in what we describe as the heart. One of my favorite verses in the Bible about the heart is Proverbs 4.23. It 
And it says, uh, in the ESV, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. In the NASB, I like it better, the New American Standard Version, it says, um, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. All right, now, the interesting thing to me about that verse is it, it describes the heart as the wellspring. All right, so, so think about this. When you have a wellspring, we, we have one over at uh, Crystal Beach on the, what is it, like, is that the, is that the second hole, third hole? I don't know. It's one of those holes on the golf score, right, right in the corner, right? And you have this artesian well. You have this water that springs up out of the ground, and then it flows into Crystal Beach, little lake, pond, whatever that is, right? Right, so the Bible says that's what your heart is. Your, your heart is the, 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 the you inside from which your words come out, from which your attitude comes out, from which your actions ultimately, your will, what you pursue, what you love, what you chase, okay? All of that comes from your heart. In fact, listen to how Jesus talks in, in Matthew 12, 34. He, he says this, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, all right? So whatever comes out of your mouth, where did that come from? You know, you know what we'd like to think? We'd like to think sometimes it came from nowhere, right? Have you, have, you, have you ever said that? Like you said something really mean, and then you feel bad about it, and so you're like, I don't know where that came from. Man, I, 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 yeah, I didn't really mean that. I, I'll tell you where it came from. Your heart, right? Jesus said that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He goes further in, in, in Matthew 15 to say there's all kinds of bad stuff that will flow out of your heart if you, don't, if you don't watch it. Verse 18, he says, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You, you know what we learn from that? We learn from that is that we, we need to talk rightly about our hearts. So when something ugly comes out of you, right, you get upset. And so you, you know, you, you blow up in irritation or frustration or anger. Okay, stop blaming other people for that. That's what we like to do, isn't it? You know, we, we like to blame it. You know, we, we blow up and we're like, well, but if you wouldn't have done that, you know, if you, if you wouldn't antagonize me or if, if you just straighten it, you know, if, then I wouldn't, or we like to blame our circumstances. Well, you know, I've just had a really rough season. I have all kinds of health trouble and I got all this stuff going on, right? We want to pin it on something else. We need to learn to talk biblically. So you say something that you shouldn't, you get frustrated, you get angry, it comes out of your mouth. You know what you immediately should say? Evidently, my heart is not where it ought to be. That's exactly what you should say. My heart is not where it ought to be. I'm not blaming you. It's not your fault. I mean, you, you may have sin of your own. That may be true, yes. But what came out of me came out of me because of the condition of my heart. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, tells us that all of our problems stem from a busted mechanism inside of us called the heart. Jeremiah says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. Okay, Jeremiah is telling us the heart is sick. It's broken. I bet, I bet everybody in this room has had this experience. 
you, you've been somewhere, maybe you're, maybe you're at a family dinner, Christmas time, you know, the happiest of all times, and you're there with your family, and uh, everybody's happy and joking and everything, and you're putting on a good face, like you're working really hard to, to look like everything's okay, but inside, you know what I'm talking about, in that inner mechanism, oh, you're, you're angry, you're vengeful, you're discontent you're upset have you ever had that experience on the outside you're pretending everything's okay on the inside it's a volcano going on have you ever had that that could be anywhere it could be right now in church wouldn't that be interesting to see you know if there's any volcanoes going on right now you know i mean everybody's holding it together right because we're in church okay but but see the the heart what's going on in there that's what's really important i mean inside is there is there greed is there some sinful scenario being played out in your mind? Is there terrible things being imagined by your heart? God sees all those things. Now, the Bible says keep watch on your heart. So what if we take a good look at our hearts this morning and it does not look good? What do we do? Well, first of all, we realize what Jesus is telling us here in verse 8. He says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. All right, so what Jesus is saying is, do you want to be happy? To which we all do what? Right? We all do, right? Every one of us, we want to be happy. So if we want to be happy, then Jesus is saying, happiness comes from a pure heart. Now, what does the word pure mean? Well, it means clean, clear, clear of dirt or pollution, unmixed, Um all of those definitions are not very helpful to me. Uh, when I think about, okay, my heart ought to be clean, um, I, I don't know. I have a hard time knowing, okay, what, is, what does that mean? How, how, do I, how do I proceed with that, okay? But when you really get down to the heart of that definition, it means to be pure. The word pure actually means single. Um, not like in the married sense, but like one thing. Like, like think about this water, Okay. If, if inside this water, if I look in here, and there's only water, okay? And let's say we had a little lab here, and we could pour it into the little lab thing, and it would come up and tell us that is 100% H2O. Then we would say it's pure, right? But have you ever had this, this experience? You got water, and you look inside there, and there's floaties, you know? If you, have, if you have little kids, have you ever had a drink, and you looked inside there, and there's like little peas of a french fry, little ground beef? You know, oh, that's part of a Pop-Tart. Yeah, you know, okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with French fries, ground beef, or Pop-Tarts, right? But there is something wrong with it being in your water, right? Because this is just supposed to be what? Water, right? 100% water. That's what I want. I don't want 90% water and 10% whatever Colt 8 lasts. I, I, you know, I don't want that in my water, okay? Now, see, that, that begins to help me. When thinking about what does it mean to have a pure heart? What it means to have a pure heart is to have a heart that is 100% seeking God. A heart that is 100% pursuing one thing. One thing, God. A heart that is pursuing one great passion, the glory of God. A heart that is pursuing one one great desire to know and to love God. See, that's what it means to be pure of heart. So if you examine your heart today, If you were honest and you would say, you know what, 
My heart is 22% pursuing God, and it's 60% wanting people to think that I'm a great person or be accepted by others. And then it's, let's see, what do we got left? 60, 70, 82, and it's um, 18% um, something else. That's not a pure heart, right? You know, if, if, you're, if your heart is, you know, 10% pursuing God and 90% pursuing financial success, or if it's, that's not a pure heart. See, that, that's the definite. Now, see, when we define it like that, that helps me. <clears throat> that helps me kind of get a handle on, okay, what does it mean to be pure of heart? It means I, my whole inner mechanism, emotion, deciding, will, thing inside of me, all of that is running after God. That's what pure of heart means. Now, once you define it that way, it starts to make other scriptures in the Bible make sense. For instance, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 27. We looked at it a year or two ago when we went through the psalms. And in Psalm 27, it's written by David. And I bet some of you have, have read this in the scriptures, in the Bible, where the Bible says that God, God loved David because he was a man after his own heart. And then you look at some of the stuff David did, and you're like, what? You know? Because he had some rough times, didn't he? He had some times he really had to repent of. And so you think, well, man, how, how is David pure of heart? In this way, okay? So listen to David, what he says in Psalm 27, 4. He says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What does David say in Psalm 27, 4? He says, I've got one driving passion of my life, and that is to know and love God. I want to be with him. I want to know him. I want to gaze upon his beauty. In other words, David is saying, all of my heart is after one thing, and that is God. I'm running after God. I'm pursuing God. I'm finding my joy in God, my security in God, my satisfaction in God, my peace in God, my delight in God. David is saying, I, with all that I am, I am running after God. That's a pure heart. That's what, that's what it means to have a pure heart. So, so the Bible is going to talk this way everywhere. Psalm 119.2. Blessed are those who keep his commandments, who seek him with their whole heart. Whole heart. Um, what would Jesus say the greatest commandment was? He said it is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength. What's he saying there? This. This is what he's saying. He's saying the greatest commandment, you sum up all the commandments in the Bible and they're summed up in this way. Man, love God with all that you are. Don't love him with 10%. And the other 90, you're, you're chasing after other things. No, may your whole heart be after God. That's what it means to be pure in heart. Now, now this makes other passages make sense. For instance, in James chapter 4, Verse 4, there's kind of a funny verse that says, hey man, you can't be friends with God and friends with the world at the same time. Friendship with, with the world means enmity toward God. And, and you're like, what? You know, and, and then it goes on. And verse 8 clarifies it a little bit. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God, put, whoop, whoop, that's not 8, that's 6. 8 uh, and 6 look, look the same the older you get. Have you noticed that in the Bible? There's just a little bit of difference there. Uh, 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. It's a very interesting word, 
you double-minded. Do you see that? Purify your hearts, right? What is, what is Jesus saying? Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, purify your hearts. Here's why you're not pure in your heart, because you are double-minded. Okay, James is going to use that phrase several times. Double-minded. What does that mean? you got two minds. Okay, now what is he describing? He's describing somebody whose heart is divided. That's not pure of heart. So, so in other words, if, if you're saying, God, I want to glorify you. And, and Lord, I also want to be glorified myself. In other words, I, God, I, I want to point people to you. But God, I also want people to notice how awesome I am. That's not a pure heart. That's a divided heart. The man that says, God, I want to obey you. I want to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And I also now and then want to look at a bunch of other beautiful women. That's a divided heart. You're not saying, God, all my apples are in your basket. I'm trusting you. I'm following you. I'm seeking you. I'm running hard after you. Okay, a divided heart is, is the person who says, God, I trust in you alone. But God, I also got in my bank account at a certain level or I fall apart. Well, which is it? Okay, so, so don't be a double-minded man. Purity of heart is to have one all-consuming pursuit in your life and that pursuit be God. Do you, do you remember the uh, movie City Slickers? Not recommending it. I, I don't even know that I've ever seen the whole movie, to tell you the truth. Uh, <clears throat> but they have, they have a TV version on every once in a while. I'll, I'll get a glimpse of it. And the only part of the movie I remember, literally, the only part is the end of the movie. You know, I think I've used this when I preached Psalm 27 just because the old cowboy is with the young city slicker guy. And they're, they're riding along. And the city slicker guy, he's worried about his marriage. He's worried about his job. He's worried about where am I going in my life and blah, blah, blah. You know, and the old cowboy says, you know, there's one thing. The secret of life's one thing, one thing, you know. And the guy's like, what is it? And he's like, you got to find that out, you know. Well, the cowboy is half right, actually, okay. The secret to life is one thing. I mean, what he's telling him is, it's not a whole bunch of things. It's to devote yourself to one thing. Now, he tells the guy, go, go figure it out. What I'm telling you is the Bible tells you what the one thing is. It's God. You see, the secret to life is pursuing one great thing in life, and that's God. Now, that may be a little confusing to you, so let me, let me unpack a little bit. You may be thinking, well, Pastor, are you saying that I quit everything else, you know, and just commit my life to reading the Bible and praying? I mean, if God tells you to do that, sure, but, but what we find in the Bible is that when you commit yourself to God, what happens? When, when, you, when you're pursuing God with 100% of your heart, guess what happens? Well, you start loving people well, and you start caring for people well, and you start meeting needs, and you start engaging the widow and the orphan and the helpless and the stranger, right? And you, and you start going to your job, and you're the best employee there. Why? Because Colossians tells us you're working for God and not men, right? Your whole life becomes about God. That's what we're talking about. It is, it is having God as the great pursuit of your life. Now, how do you know the condition of your heart? This is actually tricky. Um, I think this takes practice. I think you're going to need to work at this. Work at examining your heart. We're not always really good at this. Um, man, I, I, I don't like to do this, but I'm using movie illustrations today. But So in the Pirates of the Caribbean, 
there's uh, Jack Sparrow. He's, he's the pirate guy, and he's got this compass, and everybody thinks the compass is broke because it doesn't point north. But it turns out, I think, later in later movies, which I haven't seen, but I, I read Wikipedia, so I'm an expert. Later in the, in, the, in the series, what you find out is the compass points to what you love the most. Man, wouldn't it be cool to have one of those? You know what I think would happen? I think it'd be like hot potato at church. Like if I pulled it out and I'd be like, Carolyn, let's see what you love the most. She'd be like, here, Tom, you know, <laughs> right? Like we wouldn't, we, you know, we'd be like, fasten it around, you know. I mean, that'd be kind of scary, right? Like what do you love the most? Is it money? Is it the praise of men? Is it, what do you love the most? We don't have one of those compasses. You're getting nervous, weren't you? We don't have one of those. So how, how, how do you find out what your heart is? Well, that, that's what the Bible's telling you is you've got to learn to guard, keep, examine, pray, search out your heart. D.A. Carson, guy I like to read, here's, here's some questions he suggests, okay? So ask yourself these things. What do you think about when your mind slips into neutral? Okay, so like we all have those times, right? Busy day, this, that, all these needs. And all of a sudden, end of the day, and you're, ah, you know, you sit down. What do you think about? What's your mind drawn to? What do you dream of? What, what do you, what is it? What do you pay constant allegiance to? This next one's kind of interesting. <laughs> How much sympathy do you have for deception, no matter how skillful, or for shady humor, no matter how funny? See, the, the heart of that question is, do you live this life of duplicity? Where you act like, oh, I don't like those things, but yet, in your heart you do. Nobody sees it, but you do. What do you want more than anything else? These are all questions. To what extent are your actions and words accurate reflections of what is in your heart? To what extent are your actions and words a cover-up for what is in your heart? In other words, how often are you scrambling? Like, you, you don't want people to know what you're really looking toward, what you're really loving. Well, what if you examine your heart and you don't like the answer? <laughs> okay, what, what about that? What if you're here this morning and you look at your heart and you're like, you know what, honestly, I don't, I don't run hard after God. I don't seek Him. Pastor Jason hands out these verses to memorize. I still want to do it. I still want Him. What if you find that? Well, if all you have is country western music, then what you would, the way you'd answer that question would be you should follow your heart. Okay, because that, that's what, actually, most all popular music says that, doesn't it? How many, how many times have you been watching a movie or listening to a song, it says something like, follow your heart? That's really dumb advice most of the time, okay? It really is. Like, like you shouldn't follow your heart most of the time. Because your heart, remember, what did we just read? Your heart is broken, right? And, and so some people kind of just feel helpless. And, and, and I have these people come in my office and, and they're diving into sin, and the reason they're diving into sin is because they're following their heart. Hey, you don't have to follow your heart. You know what you can do? This is tricky. Are you, are you with me still? The whole, the whole country western thing throw you off. You know, have you ever heard those songs, you'll follow your heart, you know? 
right into adultery, right into greed, right into debt, you know. Man, if I followed my heart all the time, do you know how much debt I would be in, you know? Like if every time you're like, wow, that'd be fun to have that, you bought it, you know? Man, that's a disaster. But what the Bible says is you should lead your heart. You tell your heart what it ought to love. You tell your heart where it ought to go. All right, so, so how does that work? How, how do you train your heart? Well, first of all, you do so by the scriptures. Okay, now, this is why we need the scriptures. Turn to Psalm 119. All right, this is, this is really helpful. Okay, so Psalm 119 tells us that we should teach our hearts what to love. Okay, so we, we look at our, our, our compass, right, of our heart. It, it's pointing in the wrong direction. And we're like, all right, heart. You, you are not loving what is best. You're not, you're, not, you're not pursuing what is best. And so you need the scriptures to tell you what you ought to love. So listen to this, Psalm 119. This is a very helpful chapter in regards to the heart. Look at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Great question, right? How can a young guy keep his way pure? How can he have a pure heart? Let's read. By guarding it according to your word. Okay, so, so there, here's, you got this young guy and his heart's going all over. It wants this, it wants that, it wants, you know, fame and money and, and women and all this. And Okay, how, how can that guy keep his way pure? Single, one, one way. By guarding it according to your word. He's got to bring the word of God into his life. Okay, verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. He wants his whole heart to seek God, which means not wandering from your commandments. Now look at verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me give you the Jason Dirks version of verse 11. Okay, I'll read it to you. God has said, memorize your verses. Okay, that's, that's what verse 11 says, right? God said, memorize your verses. I have stored up your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. What's he saying? He's saying, pack your heart full of the word of God. Why would you pack your heart full of the word of God? Because so it, so it will love what it needs to love. This week I uh, took a morning and had a calf die, and so went and got a calf who his mother had rejected it, and we brought it to the cow who had lost the calf. And you know what we did? We... We, we attempted to make them love one another, okay? So we put the cow in the chute, and we took, uh, took her milk, and we sprayed it all over the calf's face. Why? Because he should want that. If he doesn't want that, guess what? He's a dead. He's a goner, right? And I lost the money that I paid for him, right? So he needs to love this. What are you doing when you memorize Scripture? You're saying, heart, you need to love this, right? By nature, are we all great disciple makers? No, we are not. By nature, do we care deeply about the nations getting the gospel? No, we do not. By nature, do we care deeply about the people in Woodward, Oklahoma, coming to know Jesus Christ? Do we pray for that? Do we, we don't do that by nature. You know, that's why we need Matthew 9. That's why we need to shove the word of God into our hearts and say the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, we're teaching our heart what to love. With the scriptures. And, and sometimes we not only need the word of God, but we need to pray. 
We need to, we need to ask God for a supernatural. We need to show him that we really want this. We want our heart to love what it ought to love. Man, by nature, our heart is dead. Uh, in Ezekiel, here's, here's what the Bible says. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. He says, God says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I'll put within them. I will remove the heart of stone and from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. You know, here, here's what God says. By nature, our hearts are stone. Man, they don't, they don't love without a love. They're a rock. And God says, man, you gotta be born again. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your king, then that's why you've got to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus because your heart is broken. You won't love the right thing. You won't obey God. You won't follow him because your heart is stone. And you need God to give you a new heart. You need to be born again. And then once that happens, then you can begin to love what you ought to love. But let's say you're a believer here, okay? You're, you're already a believer. Is your heart automatically fixed on God? No, it's not. You've you, you got to put the word of God into your heart and then you've got to pray that God would help you to love what you ought to love. Look at Psalm 119. This is an example of a guy doing this, okay? Are you ready? Look at verse, uh, let's just walk through it. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Why, why does the psalmist pl- pray to God to open his eyes? He's not talking about these, Okay. Okay, if you read that verse and you think what ha- what's happening here is that this dude's trying to read his Bible, but he's got his eyes shut, and he's like, I'm not getting anything, okay? That's not, what ha- that's not what's happening. What's happening is this is somebody with their physical eyes open, but they're reading the Bible. Has this ever happened to you? They're reading the Bible, and they're not getting anything. Have you ever read a chapter out of your Bible? Your heart was not stirred. You didn't see anything glorious. You didn't see anything wonderful. You, you, you were not on the edge of your seat thinking about and dreaming about all that God is going to do in the world through Christ? Yeah, I have. You know why? Because my heart is not where it ought to be. So what's, what's the psalmist doing? God, please open the eyes of my heart to see wondrous things from your law. Look at what he says in verse 32. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. He's saying, God, make it bigger. God, it's It's weak. God, I've only got a four-cylinder going on here, you know? And, and I, need you, I need you to give me a V8. God, I need you to give me a supercharger. God, make my heart bigger so that it wants you more. Then look, verse 36 and 37 are my favorites. We say these on the way to school. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. See, the psalmist says, God, would you please bend my heart to the right thing? This is a guy who knows, I, I am not loving what I ought to love. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? Right here in the scriptures, here's a guy who's saying, God, my heart is not going after what it ought to go after. It's, it's 50% after you and 50% after this other thing. So God, would you take my heart and bend it to your word, to your testimonies, not selfish gain. And then God, would you take my face? Later on, Jesus is going to teach us that what you look at Gives away what you love. Gives away what your heart's in. You ever notice that? Man, just go on a road trip with somebody. If you went on a road trip with me, you know what would happen? We'd be, we'd be driving down road, the highway. We'd see an antique shop, bunch of junk out in the, in the front. And you know, you know what my eyes would be doing? Nothing, okay? If anything, I'd be looking the other way, hoping that nobody else saw it so we'd have to stop, you know? We passed by a Hobby Lobby. I'm not looking over there. I'm not seeing where the exit is. I'm throwing up a little bit in my mouth. That's all, okay? Nothing, man, nothing. 
We drive by a bike store. We drive by a, a, a Rocky Mountain River. We, ride, right, we drive by a hiking trail. Man, I'm rubbernecking, you know. My eyes are drawn to what my heart wants, all right? So 36, he's saying, God, bend my heart. And then verse 37, he's saying, God, turn my eyes. And help me to look to you, to be excited about you. He's praying, God, fix my heart. I got a heart problem. When we find ourselves loving what we ought not love, that's when we confess our sin. God, man, have you ever thought about that? A lot of times we only think of confessing sin when we break a commandment. But you need to be confessing sin when your heart is not where it ought to be. Now, let's finish up here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? Have you memorized it yet? See God. They shall see God. That ought to be the most exciting thing for, for us here this morning. You, you, know why, you know why seeing God should be so exciting to us? Because God is the most glorious thing in the universe. God is the most exciting thing in the universe. Okay, what, Whatever you got in your mind is the most exciting thing. God blows that out of the water. God is the most powerful being, the most beautiful being, the most creative and compelling and fulfilling and valuable, and he's the greatest treasure. I love a Reese's mix myself, Reese's Blizzard. I scoop that, especially when it's got a bunch of the candy in it. I put that in, and God has wired me biologically. This is cool. Taste buds and stuff. What's happening? Man, little pleasure sensors are going on. Oh, it's good, right? It's good. But can you imagine, hold on, can you hold that thought? You won't forget it, will you? You won't, that's the only thing you're going to remember from the sermon. What's the sermon about, Reese's Blizzard? In Exodus 33, okay, hold that thought, all right? Now listen, in Exodus 33, God says, Moses, what do you want? And Moses says this, God, show me your glory. God, I want to see you. Moses was no dummy, okay? This guy knew where the big pleasure is. He knew where the he knew where happiness was. He says, God, show me your glory. And God's like, well, okay, but you can't handle it, okay? Verse 20, he says, uh, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you can stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll put you behind the rock, Moses, and then I'll walk by, and I'll put my hand over you until I pass by, and then after I pass by, I'll, 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 I'll move my hand, and you can see my back, Moses. But you can't see me face to face because you can't handle it. Your little bitty heart will blow up because I'm too much for you. All right, are you, are you still thinking about the blizzard? Okay, so imagine if Dairy Queen Brahms comes out with a new ice cream, and it is so good. I mean, the pleasure, the excitement, the satisfaction. Is you take a bite, and, and your little heart goes, pop, and you're gone, you know? You probably shouldn't order it, okay? But, but that's what God is saying. God is saying, I am that good. I am that glorious. I am that awesome. I am that holy. And, and, and so what should be our response? Okay, God, I want to see you. God, I want more of you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They'll see him. One of the major verses that kind of runs 
my preaching anyway. <laughs> I hope the ministry of Lincoln is 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Basically what that says is the more that you see Jesus, the more you're changed. The more you trust him, the more you love him, the more you turn away from sin. The more you see him, the more you're changed. Until finally, one day, he's coming back. Did you know he's coming back? He's coming back, and this is what's going to happen. First John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we, we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we'll see him as he is. There's coming a day when we, we get to see him. And man, God, God takes our little hearts, expands them to the point where we can... See Jesus as he is in all his glory. And when that happens, we get changed completely, forever, eternally. So the question is, do you want to see him more now? And if the answer is yes, blessed are the pure in heart. And you, you, got, you, got, to, you got to keep your heart from running after all kinds of things. And you got to keep it after one thing, after God. Father, help us with this. God, we ask you to put it inside of us, God, to want you more than we want anything else in this life. God, to love you more than we love anything else. To run after your glory more than we run after anything else. God, I pray that you would be our single passion in life. Father, forgive us when our heart is divided. Forgive us when we're double-minded. Forgive us when we, we pursue other things for security and happiness. And Father, that's sin. God, bring repentance in us today. God, I pray that you'd reveal to us our hearts. God, as we just pause in prayer, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just show us. God, if, show us what's inside of us. Show us what's going on in our heart. Father, Please fix it today. In Jesus' name, amen.